0: I have to say, once they grabbed control, I thought, Georgia's going to win this game. I was as confident, once they had that seven-point lead, I was as confident they were going to win that game as I was confident they were going to lose when Oklahoma was up early.
1: So how are you feeling? How has your 2018 started off? I'd say for most Georgia fans, the past 48 hours have been a whirlwind of emotions, social media commentary with friends, and countless Rose Bowl highlight replays watched. I, for one, have felt that way. Not only did I live and die with every play in that game, just like all of y'all, right when I was home, right when I got home, and I put my kids to bed really late, I noticed three emails from Tony who was at the game, and they contained audio files, so I knew immediately that this past New Year's Day would be a late night and bleed into January 2nd. I had to make an instant reaction podcast, and that's just what we did. Sleep can wait. The team and the entire Bulldog Nation have not experienced anything like this in forever. It's time to celebrate, but then quickly focus on the biggest games of all games coming this Monday. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 125 of the Wait and Since Last Saturday podcast. Today, it's just my co-host, Mr. Will Each and myself. I think Tony was last seen wandering, shouting, and barking go-dogs at anyone who would listen somewhere in Southern California, but we're pretty sure he'll be back and ready for our national championship preview this coming Thursday. Wow, I can't even believe that I'm saying national championship, but it's true. The next episode will be our preview for the dogs versus the Crimson Tide. But we'll get to that in our next episode. This show is to kind of put a final bow on the Rose Bowl. And before Will and I begin, make sure you go and visit our Twitter feed, at WSLS Podcast. There's a tweet that is pinned right to the top of the profile. I made a video of myself, my family, and friends watching the Rose Bowl. And I've heard from countless Georgia fans on social media and commentary, even text messages, basically saying that you might shed a tear watching it. So, Uh, I'll go with what they say. I I really hope you enjoy watching that. It's a pleasure to make videos like that. So um, anyway, and I hope you enjoy this episode, episode 125. It's a good one. There's a lot of emotion in it. So here's Will to get us started.
0: Mr. Duvall, I enjoyed your immediate Recap podcast with uh I I really think our show needs more Australians, generally speaking. <laughs> I don't think there's any question about that. I there's, there's there anything less surprising than Waller meeting Oklahoma fans and Australians and how many other he was I'm sure he was the mayor of Pasadena during his time out there. But hey, Georgia, 52. 46, whatever it was. Something like that, yeah. (laughs) 54, 48, whatever the way it all went down. Uh, I enjoyed the end of of the show with everybody losing their mind over there. What was the vibe? How are you feeling a day after?
1: Well, not to mention the fact that I'm tired. I'm also kind of in a little bit of disbelief because it's been well established on this podcast for the past two two seasons. I consider myself a tortured Atlanta slash Georgia fan, and it was nuts. Um, I would have loved to have been in Pasadena, I really truly envy everybody. It seems like I probably know 50 people, and that's a short list of uh, that were in attendance in that game. But they experienced something that one they'll never forget, and something that is just almost like a once in a lifetime event, just with the drama and the lead up, and just the fantastic ending. I had a great time, and I know you did too, over at Livewire Athens, but. Man, am I jealous of Tony this morning.
0: Yeah, well, easy to say that now. There were a couple times during that <laughs> game where, where it looked like Tony was going to be stuck in two hours of traffic after Georgia <laughs> just lost by 20 points uh, or lost in, uh, after coughing up a lead that they had come back from. I guess we should definitely dig into the game a little bit because it yeah. was. it is funny how uh, – let's just mark it through. We, I think there's really three – let's call it four segments uh, to this game. Mm-hmm. The first is when Oklahoma – comes out and just blitzkriegs him. And that, that was, you know, that we had talked about in our pregame show how the nightmare scenario, I think Tony called it three plays, three touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't three plays, but it was like 11 plays and three touchdowns. Not for nothing. You know, we've watched this team all year, and it certainly felt like you'd think they would have some sort of counterpunch. But there was a moment there, well, I think when we went up to 21-7, And then when Mm -hmm. Rodrigo missed that field goal, you thought, you know, this thing theoretically could be a blowout.
1: Well, yeah, it felt like it was getting away from us. I think they had 360 yards in the first half. Uh, I mean, it felt like it all came in the first couple of series. They were completely unstoppable. And you're kind of looking around at everybody you're watching the game with going like, guys, I mean, this could get way out of hand. You start thinking like the first Auburn game and everything like that. In fact, the, the crazy thing was to start watching the ESPN win probability chart. I guess I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of one of those people that always checks that. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. First half, I mean, it was straight maroon and uh, white because it was just trending towards Oklahoma. They were just, they built up to like a 86% win probability in that first half. But you, you know, I think that the, the, the being able to withstand a punch, I'm sure you you probably noticed this as well. But fast forward through the first quarter, that was tough. Rodrigo missing the field goal was was even tougher because, you know, he'd been pretty much money all year. The part where I started getting confidence again was when, and it's funny, they were down within our five-yard line. And the fact that Kirby kept punching those timeouts, and people around me are asking, What's he doing? They're going to score anyway. I'm like, Look, you know, even if we get a moral victory, even if they score here, look at him coaching on that sideline. He is getting in their grill, he is uh, inspiring them. And just for the fact that Baker Mayfield, awesome trick play, and that was one of the best plays they called all game, you know, you saw Roquan suck in and on the replay, you're like, Oh, if he could have just fallen back, but had he done that, then uh, the guy would have just run it in. But I was really encouraged to see Kirby just getting in there and coaching it up. Like he had no other game to coach.
0: Yeah. I wrote about this for my sports on earth column today. And I encourage everyone to go read it about that specific moment because Mm. that, you know, we had talked before about how if George ever has that moment that they take control of the game and until Rodrigo missed that field goal. It felt like they were kind of getting there. It felt like sure. after they took that first punch, they started, they'd, st- they'd gotten the first stop on Oklahoma and they started to move the ball a little bit. But then they, you know, there was that sack, uh, after on the second and one mm-hmm. that, and that that really hurt them. And it felt like they were losing track of a little bit. And it did feel, and you could tell from the urgency, kind of what, uh, Kirby Smart was doing on the sidelines. It felt like that last, that, goal line stand was going to be like he's he was coaching as if the entire game depended on that particular sequence and that's why it was so exciting and so fun on that first down and second down to see like to see him not just coaching I, in my column I kind of contrasted again contrasting him with Saban but really contrasting him with I, as a viewer of sports, I don't generally love all the coach reaction shots because that's mm-hmm. this is usually just a dude like me sitting and watching. it. Like, there's, like right, I like to right. watch people do things, not, not not to watch other people watch people do things. <laughs> but there is something active about the way he coaches and the way specifically he coached on that segment. Like he called timeout and went individually to every single player and say, and you, you can you sense there was almost an information download, and he says mm-hmm. that he wanted to be out there playing so bad. <laughs> if he could do it on his own. And so to me, that spoke, A, to how engaged he was. B, how terrific of a offensive game plan Oklahoma called. Because they found like the one play that was going to stop them there. A terrifically called play. But then three... Show that even after that frustrating sequence, after that sequence, when they scored that touchdown, and remember, they're getting the ball back in the second half. You're first thing in the second half, you're like, okay, this is not going to go well. Yeah. you thought this, it was over. This, this thing, this thing is getting away from them. And then, but the fact that they're still scrapping all the way to the end, and you know, you mentioned this on the, uh, on the website, uh, me, on, on the Twitter account, the great play to grab that squib kick, that stupid squib kick, and then for them to be efficient. Think about how many, even the NFL teams we've seen screw up clock management in that time mm-hmm. and not being able to do that to be able to then have Rodrigo boot a 55 yarder you're still down two touchdowns Oklahoma still uh, uh, still gets the ball first but you felt that felt like the end of the first chapter the okay Oklahoma can run away with this thing the coaching sequence by Kirby even though it didn't they did score the touchdown and then the kick by Rodrigo like okay that's the close of that and particularly when they stopped them on that first on that first shot of the down so that brings us to chapter 2 of the game which is yeah. when Georgia takes well, off <laughs> well and, and
1: just to, to kind of finish your point uh, that was tay Crowder he's a he's a backup linebacker I think he's played a couple of positions but uh, I kind of used the analogy I mean it, I only saw this angle one time and I have not been able to see it again but there was one kind of uh, an, a shot from behind Oklahoma's kicker and it literally looked like he was uh grabbing a ground ball up the middle mm-hmm. like a shortstop backhanding it and just the fact that he was able to glove that thing and not fumble it and you know run precious time off the clock yeah. and then he had the, the awareness to fall on it. One interesting thing also, I don't know if you read Seth's piece about that, but Jim Chaney had already left the booth <laughs> and was walking down to the locker room, so Kirby and um, James Coley realized that and they got together with themselves and they were the ones that called that, that uh, what, nine yard out yeah. to Godwin that, le- that took literally four seconds. and I was sitting there thinking, "There's no way they're going to be able to run a run a play. They've got to maybe they'll put Eason in to heave it down uh, into the end zone." But wow, I mean, that was that was something else to set up a, that long 55 yard field goal. And one other thing, after Rodrigo missed the 48 yarder the cameras caught Kevin Butler over there just kind of with his arm around him. And he's been a valuable piece to Rodrigo all season, no telling what he said to him, but I can't imagine it hurt his confidence going into booming that 55 yarder right before half.
0: Yeah. We've talked about this all year. Obviously we've seen that the new coaching staff can recruit. We know Kirby can recruit. That's clearly like a big thing that, that he's pushing toward, but to see that kind of level of attentiveness, You know, I mean, people screw up coaching hires all the time. And Pete wrote a great piece for Yahoo, kind of describing the recruiting process of what Kirby and the crew does. I'm sure we'll talk about this on the show Thursday. It was a terrific piece, really a lot of insight that we didn't really get into uh, the way they recruit. But the key to everything is organization, and the key is being prepared in every possible way. And to have that... Just that little three points at the end of that first half, Mm -hmm. obviously it made a huge difference, but to see that done perfectly, to be correctly put together and correctly executed, it's just really hard to find, and George has found someone who does that. Which brings us now to the end of chapter one, to the beginning of chapter two, (laughs) the third quarter of absolute dominance, and obviously, offensively... I I, I I think it was a segment where they had like 200 yards on three plays. I mean, there was just – obviously offensively they had mine, But what they did in that third quarter defensively – I was talking to my uh, colleague Matt Brown, who writes about college football for Sports on Earth, and he said it was the best defensive performance he had seen all year in any situation. For them to take – the uh, to go against a team that had been scoring not just at will on Georgia, but really at will on anyone all year, for them to stop them pretty much cold for the third quarter, that was – everything that we've heard said about this defense and been excited about the defense, even though it's hard it's weird to say about a team that gave up 48 points, but that was as impressive as anything I'd seen this defense do all year.
1: Oklahoma ran 17 plays for 29 yards plus one interception in that third quarter. Uh, And contrasting that the dogs had 10 plays for 130 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that's how you flip a football game right there. And it goes back to that confidence because if you had been down 17 at half, maybe I mean I don't know. I mean it's 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 a complete I mean it's three scores. Uh, it's three yeah, scores. Yeah, but it's three scores and, and the fact that you're like, "Hey, once we get that one, well then we're only down by one score." And I think the you know, just being able to hold that prolific offense to 29 yards and they they ran 17 plays. That just I mean, we're just kind of rehashing the same thought. What your colleague Matt said. I mean, I I, I I could not argue with that because it literally looked like we were going to be run out of the Rose Bowl after that first quarter.
0: Yeah, and then to have them play so dominant uh, offensively as well, and and then it's funny we talked about grabbing control of the game. That's what they did right there. That they they, they mm-hmm. grabbed control the way that. And I have to say, once they grabbed control, I thought. Georgia's going to win this game. I was as confident once they had that seven point lead, I was as confident they were going to win that game as I was confident they were going to lose when Oklahoma was up early.
1: Well, how'd you feel after then they lost the lead?
0: Well, that brings us into chapter three. That brings us into <laughs> chapter three, which is when Oklahoma, being a terrific team that they are, and having a Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback, who again we all hated during the game, he's so hateable. That dumb you were, so right, that
1: <laughs> yeah, you were that, so right on that prediction. You were so right on. Oh
0: man, that dumb little duck run that he does after he, they do something right it is so irritating. Uh But you know, this is. You no, know, this is what he does, and he is an incredible player. And you clearly saw during that drive, and then Anderson, by the way, is much better running back that we gave nearly enough credit oh, yeah. to in the preview podcast. That guy's terrific. To, for them to then strike back, and then leads us to the end of chapter three, which is the Sony fumble. And I know that we've talked a lot about atonement, and I think that's that's true. But it's not like. Sony got completely careless with the ball. That was a terrific hit right on the ball. It's hard to imagine a not a lot of players don't fumble when they get hit directly like that. And it's just George's bad luck that it bounced right into the hands of an Oklahoma player who can run all the way.
1: Sony was carrying it correctly, he had it on the outside arm. It's just that Oklahoma defender put a hat on the ball. I mean, you hear coaches coaching that, and that's not always gonna happen. And the fact that it just kinda hung on there right at the sideline, and then the, the defender picks it up and just tiptoes down. They even reviewed the play, and as we all wished that he'd stepped out. But you know what? It had he stepped out, who knows? They might have milked the clock more and then thought. eventually yeah. scored. You know? Yeah. So I was glad it was like, okay, it's done with, we got plenty of time. Give the ball to Fromm. The freshman, the 19 year old wonder kid who can't seem to do anything wrong. And let, let, let's put it in his hands.
0: Which brings us to chapter four of five, by the way, because five is overtime. Uh, chapter four, the final chapter of the, of the uh, regulation, which is, Hey, from boner from was so <laughs> great. So uh, this is the from that I have been wanting that we, I uh, frankly, I'm not sure we'd see. We'd seen great throws. We'd seen smart decisions. We had not, we'd even seen some quick drives. We had not seen this exactly forget the idea of like it's from a good enough quarterback he looked frankly a couple of those plays he looked a little like Mayfield the the, the time where he escapes he escapes that sack and makes that throw I think it was the Sony right they got to, to to get the first yeah. down uh that I mean that's it's fight we obviously watching the game this morning and Obviously, at the time, you know, every time, every, these plays are so huge. All these plays are so huge. But it's really amazing to watch it again, knowing that like eight other huge plays would have afterwards. How many things had to all come together to have that? That third down play where he eludes the sack and finds Sony is full on Mayfield, uh, Manziel, Newton type stuff. That was, I'll put it this way, after hearing this crap from me all year, Eason doesn't make that play. There's no, no way Eason makes that play. That was a fantastic play. You will not now again. I I a lot for the fact that I might see Justin Fields next year and say forget from forget from. But man, that was as good. Gr- that's what you want from any quarterback in that situation, let alone a true freshman. Yeah.
1: And Sony just having the awareness just to get himself up. I mean, he's a running back, you know, he catches a lot of balls, but that's not going to Godwin or Wims at that, at that situation. And, you know, you know, think about the, just the intestinal fortitude that someone like Sony Michelle has, you know, where he, he basically is the goat and the, the meaning the wrong way of being the goat uh, after the fumble. And then he comes back there, settles down into a soft spot in the zone catches the ball and then quickly gets another five or six yards running up field. Uh, Just the fact that they, those athletes can perform at such a high level from from to the line blocking to Sony getting open right in that situation with the clock bearing down and the whole weight of the Georgia fan base laying on your shoulders. I mean, it's just something that will be written about many years to come.
0: And then they do the wild dog for the last time in the game. Nope, there would be one more coming. Uh, the wild are, are dog. Are you
1: about to, are you about to mention Nick Chubb for the first time in yeah, this uh, podcast? Yeah, I probably <laughs> should bring him
0: up. I mentioned one of his runs without actually saying his name, but, uh, yeah, then Nick Chubb gets his, uh, gets the wild dog and ties up with again, like 30 seconds remaining in the game. It's yeah. just, fun- it is so funny to think how we were under a minute. I think it was 56 seconds, but under a minute left in. To get that game tying touchdown in the national semifinal at the Rose Bowl, and with the all the second all time leading rusher in Georgia history, in Georgia and SEC history, and it's like the eighth most exciting thing that happens. But uh, that 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 run perfect leads them. I I'm curious. The bar I was at. There was some grumbling about them not trying to run a play at the end of regulation. I think that was clearly proven to be correct, to be the right call, the way things worked. But um, clearly, Chubb just like they did all game, they were just able to run whenever they wanted to. I think Bill Barnwell from ESPN had a, had a graphic of on one of Sony Michelle's runs, you could have fit nine Sony Michelles in the hole. <laughs> like there was so much space that that, uh, that they were opening up holes pretty much every time they wanted to, which led to some criticism of Cheney. That why are they passing at all? We see why late in the game they ended up passing, but man, they were able to run whenever they wanted.
1: I was really worried after we tied it up. There was 56 seconds left, and Oklahoma yeah. had two timeouts. Yeah. I and mean, so you go back to the the fact that the defense in the second half was just dominating. Because any other time of the game in the first half, or really any other game that Oklahoma's played this year, they probably score at least kick a field goal to break your heart right at the end. But the defense stepped up, and those two timeouts and fifty six fifty six seconds is an eternity in football, and it didn't matter.
0: Yeah, it was. It was. I I was texting with a friend of mine who had no skin in this game, was just enjoying it like most of America was, and that was exactly what he texted me. He said, too much time left. Too much time left for Baker Mayfield. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because that was what the defense was doing all game, which leads us to overtime. Um, It's worth noting that after Georgia did not – get the first down uh that was a mm-hmm. catchable that was that i i was very concerned when uh from threw it a little behind nada but not enough to where i feel like nada probably should have caught it that was concerning man all that like that that could have been the end of it right there Uh Rodrigo yep. hits his field goal but man that play was open and ready to go and they missed it which leads to again once again the defense having to step up it was funny after all the timeouts to kind of ice the oklahoma kicker uh in the first overtime i i did feel like man they're going to block this thing. They're gonna block this thing. You, they, you thought that well, the first time, the first oh, time. Oh, for the, the time. first time, not the time they didn't actually do it. I before you get into that, yeah.
1: The the tackle by Roquan on oh, Jordan yeah. Smallwood oh, yeah. to force that kick was was amazing because he was he was about to get the first down and Roquan hit him so hard he immediately went sideways and then backwards. <laughs> yeah,
0: which will happen. <laughs> yeah, Roquan was. It's like Roquan was interviewed after the game and said like what well, was different about the first half and the second half. He was, he just said there weren't really opportunities there for the first half and there were in the second half. I don't think he felt. <laughs> (laughs) Like, he personally played poorly in the first half. But, man, they were definitely there in the second half. Which leads us to the second overtime, the final chapter of our saga. That block... (laughs) <laughs> that block was so awesome. You're almost like, well, how does he not block every kick? <laughs> like It really felt like the perfect sense of timing and length, all the things that had to come together to have it go exactly that. It's funny, when you were watching it in real time, I actually waited to celebrate for a second because mm-hmm. it was blocked so high and yep. bounced so high. I was like, oh, no, that's not going to go through after a block, is not it? And It was frankly kind of close, not really close, but close enough to where you're worried. But, man, it, it is funny to think because ultimately that block didn't matter because they scored the touchdown anyway of all the moments, obviously the Michelle touchdown uh, was incredible. The first moment where I like Georgia is going to win this game. I know it as certainly as anything. It was when he blocked that kick.
1: And Lorenzo uh, made a very interesting comment in one of the post game interviews. I heard, he said that he was explaining how he usually covers the tight end on field goal, you know, preventing trying to prevent uh, a fake field goal. And he said that he noticed that the tight end was ineligible because he was covered up on the line of scrimmage. So he basically told the interviewer that he knew that he had a chance to go do his thing and go after the ball. And the fact, the fact that a 22 year old kid, and he's got a lot of experience, but the fact that he's sitting there in, in, in such a crutch time and pressure cooker situation that he's able to look over and go, yep. This guy's covered. He cannot go out for a pass. I'm going to go and get the ball. There's two things. He, one, he's a one of the most intelligent defensive football players out there. And two, the coaching staff covers all bases when they're coaching up their defense.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if... Kirby had randomly told him that. <laughs> like, sure, sure. the game. I mean, honestly, uh, you realize now, well, what's going on when he's grabbing guys for the helmets and yelling. There's actually useful information there. And that brings us to the big play. Uh, it's funny. Remember how last year, every time they ran the, uh, the wild dog, the wild, or wild dog, cat, wild dog, everybody groaned. Remember when that happened sure. that earlier was... <laughs> this season? We were groaning about it. Yeah. And now it just feels as potent as a play, uh, as you'll find. It, immediately it's been that it was that kind of game all day you you since the minute that sony just started running he was at least going to get a first down <laughs> just had enough kind of momentum he's going but once he had it through my favorite part of that run is he's literally at the 12 yard line and he knows he's in Mm -hmm. You almost see him like kind of slow up a little bit, kind of realizing that this is the moment that might actually have been ultimately my favorite part of the game is that notion when he, like you could watch you You couldn't see on the screen whether there were defenders in front of him, but you knew, you knew Mm -hmm. the kind of the way that his, his stride changed that this was happening and it did.
1: And there were five key blocks on that play with the most notable one being Jake Fromm locking up the cornerback on the outside to spring him.
0: That was a great block. Like, that was a legitimately really good block. So, and now they have won. So, uh, the, I will say the live wire Athens was very fired up. It was a really great atmosphere. We had a nice table there. As I, I put on my Instagram, everyone put out, everyone did the, did the fourth quarter thing. I saw at the game, you could see it there as well. It was a really exciting thing. It was a really cool thing to be, uh, I, I would have been nice to be at the game, obviously, but, I did to be in a. How'd your boys handle? How did William react? William was losing his mind. When was <laughs> when was it, well, it was pretty late, man. So like, when's three years old? and It was like nine fifteen. It's like here, someone's got bubble guppies on their phone. Wynn's <laughs> when's gonna need a little distraction? You realize that when is twenty five years old, he's gonna claim that he was up there screaming uh, sure. the entire time. And and I'll, I'll be able to claim otherwise, and he'll he'll kill me. So I, there are no witnesses. But William uh, William was he was I mean, he was into it, man. Everyone was in it. It was actually fun because my parents, of course, my parents have moved to East Athens, and we got them Georgia stuff for Christmas. So Mm -hmm. uh, so they busted it out for that game. So now they have to wear it to every game that they ever watch. Uh, It was just a great environment and just a great thing across the board. It really was a classic game. It was definitely the kind of game where – People you haven't heard from for a while that are maybe don't care at all about Georgia sports start texting you. Be like, "Holy crap! I can't imagine what it's like to have someone uh, that that you are cheering for." There are people that that don't I have not talked to in months or even years that contacted me during this game, excited uh, to, to, that they knew someone with a rooting interest in it. That is how ga- great of a game it was, and it was ours. It was Georgia. It was that game. I'm curious, Scott. I have a question for you. If they, because this was a classic game, no matter who won, no matter what, this was going to be a classic game. I doubt Oklahoma fans feel that way right now. Mm-hmm. Would you feel that way if Georgia, if it turns out that the, uh, uh, that Bakfield busts out for a touchdown after uh, the field goal in, in overtime? Are you able to enjoy, like, are you like, wow, that was an amazing game. Go get him next year. Are you devastated? Or are you like you were when the Falcons lost?
1: That's a good question. I think I would have been more on the lines of how I felt when Georgia lost the 2012 SEC championship. And I think that that's pretty much how Oklahoma fans feel right now. I I really feel for Oklahoma fans. Um, I wouldn't have thought that this season was lost. It's like, I go back to what I spoke about right at the beginning of this episode. I just didn't want Sony to be on the hook. I, I just wanted them to lose in a team oriented fashion, meaning like nobody stood out because I genuinely love this team. I love watching this team. I love watching my family watch this team Mm -hmm. and to kind of echo about how you stated how William reacted my two sons Jack and Walker who've been to every home game this year and uh, collectively have probably been to 50 plus Georgia games in their lifetime broke down in tears uh, after that Sony touchdown run just for a brief 10-15 seconds wiping it away just in their tears of joy so I think that I would have taken it pretty good because this team is just it's it's so different than other teams in the past you've mentioned it before like the the kids on the playground they're so likable let's just kind of let this thing go one more week and you know what let the chips fall where they may we got to play big bad Alabama and Nick Saban but I mean gosh I feel like we're playing with house money right now I know that's kind of a defeatist attitude but Look, coming from the position I'm in, I mean, I'm in I'm in rarefied air, being a Georgia slash Atlanta fan right now, and so I'm I'm pretty daggum I'm happy about it.
0: Yeah, I, I we well, obviously we'll discuss this. We're going to do our big uh, we'll have, when Tony gets back. Uh, we'll have our big. Well, I think Thursday night is when we're going to tape that. We'll tape that. Thursday hey, I could
1: do it. I could do it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, it's all on your schedule.
0: Yeah. yeah okay. Well, we. Can, I, I think. Well, there's a basketball game on Wednesday. So. Uh, okay. Also, also, you know who Georgia plays in basketball on Saturday? Alabama. Alabama and Georgia play on. Saturday. Uh, That'd be nice segment. to
1: pack that place out.
0: Yeah, that would be an excellent time to do it. Um, but uh, so no, so I think we're going to tape on Thursday, so we'll be able to get into more of that. But I will say, just to lead into that, it's cool that it's Alabama. It's better that it's Alabama. No matter what happens, it's fun. It's Alabama. Like what did Tony say when we were talking about how uh, uh, when we were, who we we're going to root for in the in the Iron Bowl? They would always say, "Well, if you won the national championship, you never you know you never beat Alabama." Now you gotta beat Alabama, so it'll be super fun. I cannot wait. I feel like if we're not careful, Scott, we will talk about this game for Yeah, this could be
1: an hour long episode. It
0: really could be. It really could be. That was so much fun. All right, so we'll be so Thursday night. Thursday night, we'll, so it'll be out. It'll be out, uh, uh, Scott. Probably uh, you'll have it out Friday that night. Friday, Friday
1: at two a.m. Friday at two a.m. Yes,
0: whatever, whatever is least convenient for you, but most right. convenient for the uh, for the listeners, I think is the ideal way to go. But otherwise, man, I say I real I'm sorry I was not able to be a part of the immediate turnaround show. But I love I, I let's always remember this. Anytime any of us go to a game on uh, a road game or someplace other than Sanford, find an Australian.
1: That's an right. Australian. Especially and, uh, a drunk Australian is yeah. even better, like the second guy that couldn't even state his name. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And the other guy who had an unusually sounding bark. I might argue that was a strangely <laughs> sounding bark.
1: I didn't know barks had accents, yeah, but I guess they so did. weird.
0: I guess, I guess, uh, I guess Australian sheepdogs. I guess they have sheepdogs. Anyway, Scott, I can't wait to, to, to break this all down again on Thursday night because this is, again, we this is our third year doing the podcast and this is the most we could have possibly hoped for. So, Scott. A pleasure, and go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Will,
1: Tony, and I will be back recording our national championship preview this Thursday, so look for it sometime early Friday. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to tweet us, as always. Our handle is at WSLS Podcast, and Will mentioned the article that he wrote about the Rose Bowl win. It's a great one, so I'll make sure to link that in the show notes page. I will also link the YouTube video of our watch party video here in Athens, the one that I made uh, yesterday. So I appreciate all of the nice comments I've received today on that video. I think it really captured the emotions that everyone watching the game felt. So hopefully the dogs will give us one more reason to go absolutely crazy this coming Monday. The anticipation for this game is definitely off the charts. So we'll see you on campus at times this week. I'm sure Tony, Will, and I will be out gathering some more Rose Bowl or National Championship swag. The dogs won a classic, 54 to 48 over the Sooners, and big bad Alabama is next. Only one more thing to say go, dogs.